This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology, culture, and the digital age. This is episode number 34. I am Joe Darnell, your host, and with me is Mr. Joshua Pfeiffer. Good morning. It's a very different recording today, isn't it? It is. Usually we're recording at night, and, and today it's morning. Yes. So we're drinking coffee without any bourbon in it. <laughs> nope. And not only that, we, we are a little behind schedule. I apologize, everyone. We just couldn't get our two routines or holiday routines aligned so that we could record yesterday. So uh, this is a special Saturday edition of Tectonic. But not only that, Joshua, this is the first time that you and I have been recording together in the same space. The meat space recording. This is my space. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, is in still my... Thing? Is that still up? I no, I, I, what are you talking about? My space. I, I, I've forgotten already. <laughs> you know, th this is my home office, and this is where I normally record inside of these four walls, where we have a microphone set up connecting to my MacBook Pro, and I'm recording from my desk. But this is completely different because, Joshua, you live a few hours away, and you're not usually able to be in here when we record. And so we're using a Skype call. We have guests from other parts of the country or the world. And so, yeah, this is, uh, this is pretty cool. We, I, you know, I've recorded once before with my other friend, uh, TJ Draper, and it turned out to be really difficult for us because we is have- Is he allergic to cats? No. Okay. Let me explain <laughs> just right, real quick. I'm he, jumping ahead. Yeah. He was recording with me at the office when I had another workspace. Okay. And he and I had not any experience in person with each other, and we had never podcasted together on microphones with anybody, with people at all. Okay. So we had like 50 episodes in the can on Skype, and then out of the blue, one day we meet for the first time, and we're recording together in my office, and he and I didn't know what to do with each other. <laughs> like, we couldn't concentrate on talking into the microphone and looking at each other across the table Maybe at the same time. Maybe if you just time. set up a giant monitor in between you or something to, to look at the computer instead of look the other person. Yeah, just know. put up the Skype feed. Yeah, yeah. The, the Skype window between us. <laughs> we just do it on Skype over in the same room. I've always thought this would be a little easier in person. That way, you know, you could actually, you can look at someone or give them the weird face if they're saying something stupid or something like that. Yeah. Now I know podcasters who pull it off pretty well. Uh, I do it with Eric for the top of brew coffee podcast and we, man, we make do really well. We record once a week here in the same space, the same way we are recording. So I, I can't complain. It's, it's not a bad method. It's just something that I don't usually get to do. Yeah. It's a great little, uh, man cave you got here. This Thank is you. Nice. Now you're doing pretty well at the moment, but when you got in here, uh, you discovered we have cats. <laughs> yes. I, I didn't know you had cats and I just forgot about it. And so after about 15 minutes, I sat on your chair and it, it always seems to happen with, with chairs where I think the cats might climb up and then I get my face close to where the hair is. And then you just get this little tickle in the nose and you go, uh oh, and 15 minutes later you start sneezing and then it's a whole big thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm high on some allergy meds right now. Hopefully I sound okay. Most of my family don't have any sort of allergies to worry about. I can't complain. I never seen anybody that close who had an allergy to animals. Yeah. It's just dogs and cats. For some reason, it's the dander that just makes me sneeze like crazy. My dad had the worst allergy ever that anyone possibly could have. He got allergic to chocolate when oh, he was a teenager. That's terrible. That is wow. Yeah. And it, it's never been the same since my understanding is, is that he just had too much chocolate and one day he just, he couldn't go any further. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Pretty sad. <laughs> but he has chocolate now every now and then, and usually it's dark chocolate, the clean stuff, the good stuff, and it's okay. Yeah. Sometimes it's uh, worth a trip to the doctor for, <laughs> yes. you know. Merry Christmas. I wanted to make this a simpler affair for the Thanksgiving week holiday. I didn't want to trouble anybody who was out there trying to make their vacation time happen and uh, get away from the computers. But there's you and I, Joshua, the show must go on. So we have something to do here. <laughs> didn't want to bother anyone yet. Here I am. Yeah, no, I'm going to bother you. Sneezing in your man cave. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, first of all, I wanted to talk about restoring a Mac. Now, have you ever had to restore an iPhone or an iPod or an iPad? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. People do it all the time. Yep. Like your device is just acting a little strange. You take it to the Apple Genius Bar and they say, well, have you tried restoring your phone? And before we go any further, we got to try restoring your iOS device. It's just what you do, right? Connect it to iTunes, you wipe the device, and then you restore from a backup. Or if you're not using the wire, if you're using iCloud, you tell it to erase the device. And then when you get started on the get started menu on iOS, then it prompts you to restore from a backup on iCloud. Either way, it just works. It takes a little bit of time, but it usually takes care of all of the bugs. Now, have you ever had to restore a Mac? Oh, sure. Yeah. Really? See, in all my years, in all my born days, I have oh, not, not had to restore typically one. For, not typically, I guess, for some sort of failure. Typically, if I'm upgrading hard drives, which I guess is not going to be really a thing in the future, that since they're all integrated into the computers now. But yeah, I've, I've swapped out different hard drives along the years and have had to do either a full system installation or a time machine uh, restore. But now that I think about when I did it, I remember where I was, where I was living. And I guess it was 2009 that I did a time time machine restore. And I think that's the last time I've had to do that. Now, what were you running? Can you remember what operating system? It was 2009, so it was my 2006 MacBook. Oh, wow. I think wow. I upgraded the hard drive, I think. Did a restore, I guess, from the time machine backup. Please understand, I have, you know, restored a couple of files with Time Machine. And I have used Backblaze, and I've had some positive experience with them as well. So, uh, so you've never upgraded hardware or hard drives, rather? No. I Well, okay, I did an upgrade to my iMac, but I allowed the Geek Squad to take care of moving uh, everything over. I am my Geek Squad. Yeah, see, I don't normally have to handle the hardware. I have upgraded RAM from time to time. But I just, I don't upgrade hardware like practically ever. Okay. Apart from just like an actual purposeful upgrade, I haven't had to deal with restoring problems since probably one of the earliest iMacs. We, we were really taxing some of those early iMacs, the, the translucent graphite ones. We had those back around um, 2003 and four, and we were making a lot of videos with them. And we would burn them out every now and then and take them to uh, the repair department at Circuit City or an Apple store or CompUSA and let them take care of it. But yet again, we weren't managing any of the hardware because we couldn't. Back in those days, the iMacs were so closed, you couldn't really do much to upgrade your device. But now anyway, so restoring a Mac, uh, last week, Joshua, I realized I really probably should restore my main MacBook computer that I use for all of my day work and my night work and everything else. And it kind of scared me because what, did you do a clean re restore or clean install? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, okay. Well, let me explain. Okay. Uh, if you have a time machine backup, you can do a restore of your Mac. Like you do with a restore of iOS in iTunes or on iCloud. Right. I never really stopped to think about that. Like that, that that's a thing. 
I, I just thought of Time Machine as, well, that's where you go to retrieve files. No, no, no. You can restore the entire Mac if you have to, which is like super. But here's, here was my conundrum. I think it was about two weeks ago, I started to notice some bugs about Finder that were very unusual to me. And I didn't know if this was going to be hardware related. Like I got an SSD in this 2012 MacBook Pro that I'm using. And I was afraid that it was actually going to be hardware related failure. But then again, if it was just data, then I should be able to restore just fine from Time Machine. That was my theory. Well, what if the backups on Time Machine had the bugs in them? Restoring wouldn't make a difference. And, and that was my concern. I've been working so hard. I've been working around the clock every day. I don't know when I would have done it before now. So last night at like nine o'clock, I told my time machine to restore on my Mac and it took a couple hours. And, and you know, maybe your running time would be different. You just don't know. You don't know what, what all the apps you have and all the data you have, how long it's going to take. But it took mine at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half to do its restore. Yeah. What I did is I, I told it to use a backup on time machine from like November the 20th. I imagine some of those bugs were already happening then, but I knew that it had gotten worse in the last three days. I had to relaunch Finder every day, maybe twice a day. And I never have to put up with that kind of thing. Hmm. That seems more OS driven. And I'm not sure if I'm not sure. I don't know how time machine works exactly, but I got the impression that it was more focusing on user files and profiles rather than system files. So it sounds like if there's a system issue, I don't know if I don't know how that works. It, it, it seems to have worked. Like I haven't sat down and used my MacBook now for a day, but I'm going to find out later today. But this morning it was working better than it has for like weeks. So like, for example, in the, in like iOS backups, you know, it doesn't actually include, I don't think like iOS uh, OS, basically it doesn't include that. It includes basically your stuff yeah, because it yeah. knows it's got the golden master software it can install. So I don't know. I don't know if Time Machine is different with Mac OS, but glad it's working. Yeah, I, I am too, because it made me very nervous about recording today. This being my primary machine and all. I didn't want to pick up my iMac from the other room and carry it in <laughs> here and set it up. And then, well, we would have had that huge screen between us. And that may have solved yeah. all of our problems. <laughs> then we uh, could have turned on Skype and I wouldn't have seen you anyway. <laughs> yeah, so the restore seems to be a success. Because we're recording right now off of this Mac and everything's just purring, just humming along. Sweet. All right. Now, Joshua, you had another topic for us. You wanted to follow up on the Apple TV. Yeah. So I wasn't here last week. I was traveling. But the week before, we did a whole Apple TV review and had the pros, had the cons. and But I had only used it for a few days. So I used it for a couple more weeks now. A couple things. Just wanted to follow up real quick. Um so we no, kind when of you say the Apple TV for anybody who's just sure, new to the, the show, new, the you new, mean the brand new model. Yeah, latest and greatest Apple TV. So the upper right button, we kind of laughed at saying, what does this thing even do? And, and we kind of figured out it was a home button before the end of the show. But one of the cool things I learned since is it has an app switcher as well, which is really nice. So you double click that upper right home button that looks like a little screen and it'll kind of go into an old school iOS app switcher. Um, it doesn't look like the new one with, with like the folding cards, it, you know what I'm talking about with the, with the current like iOS. Uh, but it, it has, uh, it, it has like full screen kind of, uh, app switcher. It looks sort of like a like, cover flow. 
kind of like CoverFlow on iTunes used to look or CoverFlow in the Finder? It, it looks like iOS and 6 right. and 7. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like you get the full screen of whatever app you're oh, in. Oh, so it doesn't look like what slide. it does now on iOS 9. Correct. It looks like the previous version. Correct, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, you know. So that's not like CoverFlow because it would no. actually be three-dimensionally like suspended over top of each I, I, other. Yeah, now I know what you're talking about. No, it's it's not 3D. It's all flat. It kind of looks like iOS 7 and 8, I believe, the app switcher. Now, I would have thought that the menu button would be, sorry, the home button would be on the top left because it's the farthest back you can go through the menus. Now, if you were using like a column list view in the finder, you would understand that the home is far to the left. And then you go down the tree of files and folders, you, you're you extending them out to the right in your, your, your list view in the finder. And the same would be true about using a classic iPod. If you were on the main menu, then you would be on the men- the like the list farthest to the left of all the lists, and then you would go down the tree into a album on the right. I just I would just think that like they would maintain that kind of consistency when looking at the controller that yeah. the, the home button would be on the top left. I still I don't understand why they needed two buttons, like, one for the menu that is like right. Pre- but how most did, recently back? How did it work in the prior the- edition though? You held the menu down and it went. It did the same thing that this home button's doing. You just hold the menu down and it goes back home. Ah, uh, that's true. So why do they need two buttons all of a sudden? I don't know. Because most but, people never thought to try to hold down the menu button. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, if that's the case, who's going to think to double click the home button now? <laughs> but the, but you but, did figure it but out. I figured it out, and and it's it's handy. It's it's very handy to switch between apps that way. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah, no matter how far you've drilled down into one of the apps, you can get right back to the home screen. I believe it works everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So that that's kind of it's kind of handy, but also if you bump it, you're back home. <laughs> so also uh, just to I guess from my personal setup, uh, it's been kind of nice. I finally figured out how to get the volume working. Uh, it just didn't work because we I've got we've got a uh, a sound bar that I had to use a separate remote for like I couldn't use my TV remote. So I had to have a TV remote. I had to have a soundbar remote. I had to have an Apple TV remote. So now that I've actually figured out how to sync the soundbar audio with the TV audio, now I can get it all working on one Apple TV remote, which is a huge user experience uh, pro, I guess. So that that's cool. Also, uh, I really, want, really have wanted to get my, my wife listening to more podcasts. And she's, you know, of course, home uh, running around with the kids all day and I thought, you know, I really want to uh, use the Apple TV now for easy podcast listening. No podcast app that <gasps> I could find. Oh, no, man. No, no Apple podcast app, no third-party podcast app that I can find. I, I'm going to search for just a little bit, so I might be wrong. I think but. we're breaking the news here, and this is very disconcerting. But I, I imagine maybe none of I should us... check. <laughs> maybe I should go home and check before you release the show, but I'm pretty sure there definitely wasn't an, a native app. See, I'm not actually surprised. Like, if you think about the experience with Apple TV, I don't know that anyone ever told me they listened to a podcast on the Apple TV. Yeah, and maybe there. And, and our be... life is is unique, you know, with my wife and the kids, and we we do spend a lot of time in the living room, at where most people are driving and whether listening and things like that. But I think it, it could be useful for for some people, and there's no reason it, <laughs> there should oh, be. Most a, definitely, yeah. But maybe it's like iOS 8, where when they first came out with it, was it iOS 7? I think they didn't have the podcast app updated with a whole new flat interface design. 
And then it was a few months later, they came out with the podcast app that had a full refresh. And then, and then it was with iOS eight. They just made it part of the bundle that came with the operating system. And now you've got so, it so with I iOS it was, nine. I thought it was always a app that, that no, had wasn't. to be installed. No, no it wasn't. Oh. That came along with iOS seven and eight. Okay. But you know, you, you, but you get the point that the podcast app came standard issue with all the Apple TVs for many years now. Right. Yeah. So it, it goes back to the, the old Apple TV thing that we used to have to do, which is, okay, the Apple TV won't do X. Let's get the iPhone and stream it to the TV, which, you know, is handy to do. But again, I was hoping that this new TV was going to take, you know, be a real device rather than just a kind of a dumb box to stream an iOS device to. So that was a little bit of a, a con, but hopefully that'll get solved, at least with a third party. Okay, so real-time follow-up here. At 9to5Mac, Apple Podcasts have spotted for new Apple TV on demo units at retail stores. Hmm. I mean, I'm looking at date? a screenshot What's here. What's the date on that? This is 2015, November the 2nd. Hmm. So if you went into an Apple store right now, you might happen across it. So my theory is probably correct. It stands to reason. Okay. There you go. Yeah, it, it, um, so it's just delayed. I, I can see why they would delay something like that because there isn't a huge demand sure. for the podcasts on Apple TVs. It's a good point, though. So the other big thing that I thought was just weird is, so I'm using the, the Apple TV and it just didn't quite feel right. Like, I, I liked the, the user interface. It was definitely an improvement, but there was something I couldn't put my finger on, no pun intended. Okay, pun intended. But the pun is the, always the, the intended. Where did, that, where did that saying even get started? <laughs> the the swiping is backwards. So if, if you're used to an iOS device and now a trackpad on the Mac, the, the, the swipe kind of makes you feel like you're moving the paper, if that makes sense. You know, so you swipe from left to right and the, the screen moves from the left to the right. Yes. Right? So imagine moving a piece of paper. You're used to this on the iOS. You're used to this on Mac trackpad, but with the Mac, you're you're able to switch the swipe. If that makes sense, you can actually natural turn scrolling. It. Versus, yeah, natural scrolling. Yeah, yeah. But on the on the Apple TV, it's backwards. It's back to the like reverse the, scroll. What it, what it used to be for yeah for years. So it, I feel like myself. I'm constantly swiping the wrong direction. It makes sense that that happens. Yeah. I, so and there's nothing in settings where you can I, get to I something. I haven't found it. If there is, I don't think. But with your natural instincts, you wanted to use the behavior like natural scrolling. Yeah. If I'm at the very top, I want to go down. I take my thumb from the bottom, swipe up, and it just it just stays there. Yeah. So you have to take go from top down to move the screen down. It's not a huge deal, no, but it's, it's not. It's, I think it actually is kind it of. It introduces a huge learning curve. Why? For the people <laughs> exactly. who are used Why, to how though? trackpads work on MacBooks. No, but that's not how they work on MacBooks now. They've changed exactly. it. Yeah. So. It's a bit backwards, but also to add even more confusion, if you go into like, I think it's the app store, you look at the screen uh, shots of apps, the, the swiping is how you would think it would be on uh, iOS. So it's actually reversed in some situations where you swipe right and actually goes right. So the swiping is, is not consistent and it doesn't match other Apple devices. Yeah, I can see why this is... And it was an issue for me when I was just giving it a whirl at the Apple store. I thought the same thing. I didn't thing. even figure it out for a few days. I just thought, this doesn't feel right. What's going on? Just didn't really think through it. You know, I, I picked up a, um, 
Disney Infinity 3.0 unit the other day for the Thanksgiving holidays for, you know, playing with the kids. And I I actually faced a similar issue with the game controls that when you're piloting something like a spacecraft in the game, you got to understand if if you're not familiar with Disney Infinity, you're just playing a, a wide assortment of games with all different kinds of characters from different blockbuster franchises. And one of them is you can play like as the pilot of the Millennium Falcon. And there's this demo at the beginning when you start using Disney Infinity where they get you to pilot through a meteorite shower in the Millennium Falcon, which is totally rad. The problem is that it doesn't use the behavior that I'm used to from so many other games where using the joystick, if you move the joystick up, then your spacecraft or your aircraft would be tilting down and vice versa, which is like how you would pilot a aircraft with its own actual controls, right? When I was a kid, that was so backwards because as a child, I naturally thought if I stick the joystick up, then my vehicle is going to go up. And at arcades, this drove me nuts because I'd be spending quarter after quarter trying to just get used to the controls because the arcades were trying to be authentic to what a real, you know, aircraft would be like, right? Well, on Disney Infinity, for whatever reason, it's reversal again. So you push up on the joystick, your spacecraft goes up with the Millennium Falcon. And even my kids can't figure this out. And they, and they, don't, <laughs> they haven't had anything like ingrained in them just yet. They're six and seven, and they just could not survive the meteorite shower. So <laughs> yeah, it's sorry, a problem for Sorry to us. hear that. I hope they're feeling better. <laughs> I, I helped them pass that level. <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to go back to the volume on the remote you were pointing out. The issue is that you were just trying to get your TV to pair with the Apple TV remote so that you could control volume from it. I don't know if I can properly explain my setup, but basically... Like, you're not even sure how you solved the problem? Yeah, yeah pretty much. I think how I solved it is, I, I, setting the Apple TV off to the side, I got my soundbar to sync. There's a Samsung soundbar with a Samsung TV, and I got it to sync in a different way so that the volume on the TV remote would work the soundbar mm. volume, which okay. prior it wasn't doing. So I think that was the problem. I'm not blaming Apple TV on this one. It's actually solved. It, it then was able to, to take control of the volume and solve the problem. So it, instead of, okay. th- instead of three remotes on my lap, I've got one. That's good. Well, okay. So we have another topic here. I wanted to address because this is uh, the day after black Friday. It's We're black Saturday. It's black Saturday or can, can we just say it's gray Saturday? We're warming up to mm. cyber Monday. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the color between cyber and black is. Me neither. Yeah. It's turning sort of like electrical blue <laughs> today. It's a, it's a little bit bluish gray. Okay. We would have originally spoken about black Friday and cyber Monday, but we missed our opportunity yesterday. Sorry, everybody. We're not going to talk about black Friday anymore. There's a lot of sales that go on concerning technology over the holidays. And a lot of people think about technology gear when they're shopping for people on their, their lists. I know that in the past, my wife has gotten me some great devices for the holidays. I got this Apple watch because of her gift last Christmas, but then I've also given people things that were electronic as well. So for instance, last year I gifted my younger brother a membership to lynda.com because I thought it would be a great opportunity for him to check out some of their courses. So I gave him a, a few months worth of membership on Lynda, 
so that he could check that out. And you know, it was a little investment into his immediate future and his new abilities. And that's, you know, a, stuff that's, to a, work. that's a really good gift idea. Very good. It sure beats a Starbucks gift card, right? <laughs> well, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> no, it's, it, that, that is a very, very good gift. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like Linda a little bit more than I like Starbucks. See my other podcast. <laughs> so I wanted to pick your brain, Joshua, about what kind of things we would recommend for shopping online for Cyber Monday. It's it's not necessarily difficult nowadays. It seems like it's becoming more natural. I'm getting to the point where I'm actually comfortable giving out my credit card to a lot of stores online. Oh, yeah. I, I've got no issues with that, especially when if it's in today's day and age, if it can take a credit card and it's SSL secure, I mean... There's just no, there's no issues because the, typically these websites, they don't actually store the credit card at all. It's, it's the third party, you know, banks that do. So it's, I, I've got zero issues giving credit cards online Okay. under, under most circumstances. Okay. You got that tip from Joshua, everybody. <laughs> well then how just do you send your th- credit card to me via email with your social number and uh, I'll get you fixed up. Yeah. It's totally secure. <laughs> That's uh Joshua at tectonic.fm. Okay, so then about Cyber Monday, do you regard it? Do you ever pay attention to the sales? Uh, you know, your inbox just gets, you know, filled up on this weekend, you know, and, and typically I typically I don't. I mean, I probably so should. There but are it, sales online between Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Really, it's like an extended weekend sales period. And it, it sometimes it bleeds into Tuesday. Sure. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with commerce. I'm all for it. And I guess I'm just not, not typically driven by the calendar. I'm just typically driven by my needs slash wants. And, I and when I you see the sale, fu- you're going to take advantage of it. But it's not like you're going to go out there shopping, looking to, fu- to discover a sale. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything in particular I've ever bought on Cyber Monday. But I'm sure I have. Um, I'm not a very given to sales, you know, especially like on black Friday, I would just prefer to stay inside and curl up and <laughs> stay away from the mob and stay away from the mob on cyber Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, look I, out for those traffic jams on the interwebs. There are a lot of good things out there, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I can't add much to cyber Monday. I think that that's what a lot of people would say because they haven't really gotten engrossed into the I don't think that Cyber Monday has taken off like Black Friday has. It's the marketers that are pushing Cyber Mondays. It's the businesses that are pushing Cyber Mondays. But the consumers, I don't think, are warming up to Cyber Monday the way that they have now for many decades regarded the Black Friday day as a thing. So even though the businesses want to make Cyber Monday a thing, it just hasn't taken off like it did for retail stores the day after Thanksgiving. Hmm. And per, maybe that's the reason why I, I see these sales that, like I said, last from Friday through Monday. And it's it's like, there's no general consensus about really no, there is black Friday and then there's cyber Monday. <laughs> and then the other days are just regular days. I guess uh, maybe as the economy has you know had issues over the years, it just seems like it's just nothing but marketing because you know, they're probably going to keep the sale going on the rest of December and halfway into January. And there are exceptions for sure, but I guess there are just so many deals to be found during the season. I'm just not going to really waste my time on bending over backwards, looking for something on Monday. But my personal experience has been a little different with black Fridays and cyber Mondays because I was raised in a home where mom and dad took black Friday very seriously. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was on Thanksgiving that Dad would always go out and buy the uh, the Atlanta Journal Constitution newspaper or whatever he could get his hands on that would be chopped full of all the the ads for Black Friday, and then he would systematically go through every ad for every store. Was it dog earring the various pages on catalogs when he wanted to refer to something later? And he would take his highlighter and circle things that he would want to return to. He would start comparing the prices if he found this toy for sale in the KB toy ad versus the Toys R Us ad and see which one was better. And then he would, I kid you not, he'd start mapping out like where he wanted to go from store to store. And he wouldn't necessarily get up at four o'clock if he didn't have to. He would say, can, okay, there's five things I want to get. How long is it going to take me at every store based on his history with every store on other Black Fridays? Dad was pretty systematic about this. Wow, that is pretty systematic. And he usually pulled it off. He usually would get everything he wanted and under the time that he had estimated. (laughs) But he would be shopping for everyone. And Dad did shopping all year. So it wasn't like he was trying to cram in all the shopping for everyone. It was just that he wanted to take advantage of the sales. And I thought that was pretty wild. And I I didn't get to go shopping with him all that much because he would be shopping for us kids too. (laughs) But I I was inspired by him. And when I got out of adolescence and had a car, I started using Black Fridays. And it helped me a lot with, uh, you know, the early days of my marriage, you know, shopping for the wife when we didn't have money. Black Friday was a golden opportunity to get something that was halfway decent. As long as you knew what you were doing when you were systematically combing through all the ads from the AJC. But nowadays, uh, I gravitate to Cyber Monday because I like the idea of I don't have to be up at the crack of dawn. I can drink my cup of coffee indoors where it's not going to grow cold in the car. And I can just do all the shopping right here in the comfort on my iPad. I mean, like I actually did some shopping for Cyber Monday the last couple of years off of my iPad between Thanksgiving and Monday. It was just convenient. Yep. I mean, like, it's not a huge deal. I can understand why you could pass up on the opportunity, but I can see why you would take advantage of the opportunity if it's, if it's just right there. Everybody says that Apple doesn't, for instance, you know, Apple does not have sales, but that's not true. Apple does have sales come Black Friday, and I'm not sure if they regard Cyber Monday yet, but I know Amazon does and most other stores do. So, uh, you know, you find some stuff. What else are you going to use your iPad for? Download the Amazon app and get going. Oh, I've got the Amazon app. Unfortunately, my wife knows how to use it too, so. (laughs) (laughs) You were saying the other day that you upgraded the computer situation in the family and now you have the MacBook Air and she's using something else or? Yeah, it was always my MacBook Air, but she sort of uh, co-opted it for a while and it became less and less my MacBook Air. Uh, So I I, uh, went ahead and got a refurbished iPad Air 2 for her. And it was, I don't know what it was, 400 some dollars, uh, but it looked brand new. The unboxing was not nearly as cool since it came from Gazelle, but the thing runs like a dream and, uh, and she loves it. And, uh, I get my MacBook back. So it's a win-win. Well, good for you. <laughs> that turned out fine. As it regards to the technology that we would actually shop around for people for the holidays, what are your thoughts about like gift giving and the expense? The the more expensive the item, the more serious of an investment it is, and <laughs> the, the more careful you're about doing the shopping. Sure, I mean we we don't do a whole lot of gift buying for lots of people. You know, with all the kids we've got, we've get them one or two good gifts each, and we call it a day. I think last year it may have been over this weekend that I bought a a Wii U for the kids, 
and me. And I think it was two years ago I picked up a uh, an iPad Mini, which is uh, is still kicking. And uh, I guess I do buy tech for the kids during Christmas. Yeah, when you are buying something like a whole new console and getting them the the controllers and the games, that wrecks up to be hundreds of dollars. I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got our original Super Nintendo and Nintendo sixty four that way. We got them at Christmas time. It took a lot of persuading mom and dad. And on top of that, I think that we actually contributed to the purchases <laughs> in addition to their I contribution. Think, I think I purchased the unit, and I think they've purchased their controllers. So I figure they will break their controllers, you can buy them, and then you can replace them. So that's kind of how we, we roll. <laughs> Smart. I'm going to have to teach my kid that he, he doesn't spend all of his money at the candy store. He, he can buy his own controllers. That's <laughs> not a bad idea. I think that in this phase of time, a lot more people are considering technology as gifts for the holidays. But the problem with that is it seems like a lot of the good technology is expensive stuff. So people are taking it more seriously as a category for gift giving. But then if you want to give somebody anything of value, you don't want to just pick up the, you know, the latest uh, Phillips, you know, earbuds and say, here you go. There's some $15 earbuds. I got them at CVS, the drugstore. <laughs> yeah. Aren't I so thoughtful? You actually want to get them something that's going to be pretty slick. So I know that a couple of years that I've seen people gift a smartphone case to their loved ones and friends. If it was pretty clever, if it had a lot of personality to it, I actually appreciated that. My sister once gave me a Superman iPhone case for my iPhone 5S. It was just a great case from DC Comics, no less. And it had a great image of Superman on the backside of it. And it had a, like a rubber body to it that would hold the iPhone. I very much appreciated it. It made a good gift. But even something like that, I think was like $60. So if you're going to buy somebody a good gift, it, it may cost you a little bit of a penny. That's true. So a couple of recommendations. This is just stuff that would be on my kind of list. I would say that you would consider something that's like a, a smart interactive toy for the kids, like the BB-8, which is this new droid from the Star Wars The Force Awakens. The reason that this is pretty cool is because BB-8 is this rolly droid that looks kind of like R2-D2. He's got R2-D2's head with orange highlights, but then the rest of his body is a round metallic ball. And from the looks in the trailer, it looks like they're using him as this generation's R2-D2 unit. And the toy version has got some robotics to him, so that he behaves kind of like a Roomba. You turn him on, you sit him down in the floor of your house, and he'll go this way and that way and explore all on his own. Or you can interact with him with voice commands and stuff like that, and you feel like you've brought Star Wars into the family. <laughs> nice. But the, the, the downside, to, again, something like this, is that BB-8 costs like $150, but there's two different models, and I think you can get one for less, but the real good one is the $150 model. That's a, like half of a Wii U right there if you go with BB-8. If your wife doesn't appreciate that, I don't know if it's the best investment in your technology spending budget. So it just drives around your living room and that's all it does? Yeah, I mean, like it's a toy. <laughs> you remember a few years ago when it was the Tickle Me Elmo? I guess that was a technology gadget toy as well. You know, you does, it have a, does it have a remote? I believe it does. I don't think you have to use the remote to interact okay. with them. It looks like there's an app for the phone, so maybe you control or do some different that's commands it. with the app. Okay. Ah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think I'll skip the BB-8. <laughs> well, you, but you already took care of all your Christmas shopping, right? 
I've spent enough at Apple this year. I'm not sure we're going to spend more, but I'm still on the borderline fence with uh, with some new iPad minis for the kids. So I might end up doing that and get a couple iPad minis. And we, everyone's got an upgrade except them. They, they're stuck with uh, with really old stuff. They haven't complained yet, so maybe I'll wait for them to start complaining about RAM. Who knows? <laughs> That'll be the basis for, oh, it's an upgrade. That, that would be the right time to upgrade when the children start complaining about the speeds of hardware. The mom and dad can long before that. We appreciate <laughs> time a lot more than they do. Oh, I meant, to, I meant to say earlier when we were talking about Cyber Monday deals that I had a very bad encounter wanted to address here. Speaking of those deals online that you can get for Black Friday and the like, I saw that there were some deals for online courses with a website called Udemy. That's a U-D-E-M-Y. And I took a personal interest in this, Joshua, because I've been thinking about, you know, sharpening some of my skills, picking up some new ones as it relates to uh, graphic design and web design. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been in this business for a good long time. And what I realize is if you don't keep learning, then you're obsoleted. You know, yep. there's yep. way too much code. There's way too many formats. There are so many different kinds of standards to encounter that you got to keep learning. You got to stay on your toes. Yep. So I thought that this would be a great opportunity because I, I think I happened to cross this on Twitter. Somebody pointed out the Black Friday sales, somebody that I follow. So I, I thought, well, what is this? I'll check it out. I don't know that I had heard of Udemy, but it looked like the kind of business that would just be around reputable selling online courses. And I, and the way I quickly judged whether or not they were respectable was that I saw that some of their courses were taught by business professionals I had heard of before in the podcasting sphere, seeing their websites. I was like, oh, okay, so Udemy is legit. And then I saw that they were offering some great deals for their courses. Too good to be true deals. <laughs> Almost. Well, hey, this was Black Friday, right? It can happen. It still happens. You can get those television sets for $50. It could happen. The online courses I saw that were like $200 usually retail or whatever you want to say, not retail, but full price, were going for $15 for Black Friday. I was thinking about myself and if I had someone else in mind, I'd been glad to buy them some courses. But just right now at this time, there's no one else that I really had in mind for giving an online course. I, I went ahead and picked up a few. But then today I saw that uh, Christina Warren on Twitter pointed to some articles where Teachers of online courses were noting that Udemy had committed some piracy with their courses and had started selling them on Udemy without their permission. I'm a little bit wary now about my account and the courses I got there because I was really looking forward to taking those. I'd be willing to pay full price for these courses in the right time and place, but if they're going to offer them at a great price, why not? So now I just kind of feel icky about the whole thing. So, so was there a list of specific courses that were supposedly pirated? There were two presenters that noted their own courses. They can confirm that they were pirated. Beyond that, I don't know about the others. Wow. So I, I suppose that won't actually affect the course you've got. I mean, you, you'll still have access to it. Are, do you download it or I guess stream it from their site? You would go through the course on their website like you would many other online courses. Okay. Hmm. Hopefully they don't get shut down. You might want to go through the course really quick and <laughs> take some screenshots before they get shut down. <laughs> now, the way that the presenters can deal with the issues, the, the infringement, they made contact with Udemy 
And they told these presenters, oh, you know, if you want to make a dispute and you want to argue that these need to be taken down, then the process is much like it is for YouTube video content. You'll have to prove your copyright. You'll have to file this claim, et cetera, et cetera. And then the presenters said, you know, uh, screw that. We're going to get on the social networks and create an uprising <laughs> where there's enough objection to this that Udemy will be forced to take it down much faster. And so they're in that process then now, and uh, maybe mm. that'll work out for them. So you can see why sometimes you got to be careful about those deals online that creep up like this. Yeah, that's rough. Well, um, my last recommendation then, if, uh, if you want to get back to the sunny side of things, since you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you can appreciate this. If you wanted to give the gift that keeps on giving, I think you need to invest in Bluetooth speakers for your friends and for yourself. Well, Joe, what are you talking about? I'm already listening to this podcast on my earbuds or off of my computer. What are you talking about? Why do I need a Bluetooth speaker? Let me explain. I just got one of the Amazon Basics model speakers that are pretty straightforward. They're basic, like they say, true to the name, and they go for $40. And I love this device. You can get the Beats pills. You can get uh, some that are water resistant. You can use in the shower. The point is, though, these actually do work really well in specific contexts, much better than headphones or your car stereo. So I found that while I'm you know, working in the kitchen or I am in the bathroom and getting ready in the morning and brushing my teeth, I would like to turn on some music or listen to a podcast while I'm fixing my hair, not wearing the headphones. Having one of these devices is just a huge benefit to anyone who enjoys podcasts. Now I've been listening to half of the podcast content that I consume every week. I, I still listen to a lot of shows and now I can get them off of the wireless speaker. And I think that this would just be super for anyone that enjoys streaming music with Spotify or the like, or Apple music, because these days we have drifted away from the classic CD stereos. We've drifted away from uh, devices that we wire in with our, with our iPods I remember just a few years ago, we had all these base stations where we would plug in our iPods or we would dock our phones into a speaker system and we would get our music with our phone docked. But think about it. Nobody wants to dock their phone now. If you want to play music, you don't want to sacrifice the utility of your phone while you do it. People want to keep the phone on their person and they want the music too. So you want the wireless connection so that you get the music and you get the iPhone in your hand. So I just think it's the way to go. And if you don't want the Amazon Basics model, there are lots to choose from, but they all, they actually just work. I picked up one from, I think it was Target last year, and it was a Sony product. It kind of looks like a round black ball with a speaker projection right up on top. You know, in Star Wars, when, what is it, Princess Leia shows up with Chewie at Jabba's palace to give... Chewie away as a, for a bounty and she's pretending to be the bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. I always thought to myself, this particular Bluetooth speaker I picked up, this Sony speaker looks like one of those thermal detonators. <laughs> and I love hitting the power switch on the bottom because every time I do it, I feel like I'm a bounty hunter in Star Wars. It, it's just that kind of device. <laughs> well, I, I got one of those and it worked well for me for a year. So I picked up the Amazon Basics model. And if I wanted to upgrade from there, there is another one that's called the Base Egg. This is a very attractive speaker. It turns any sort of platform that it is sitting on into part of its speaker. So sitting the base egg onto, say, like a countertop 
will transmit a lot of the sound into the countertop and it becomes this magnified speaker device. And so it works on uh, countertops, it works on desks, it works on the floor. I even seen where they did for demo purposes, they set it on a skateboard and it just brought the skateboard to life as the speaker. And the <laughs> Interesting. Base, yeah, so the base egg goes for $100 and I've seen many models, they just work. They're not from a recognized uh, company, they're not from a bigger company, but you can find them online and it's uh, it comes in uh, gorgeous packaging and it would make a great gift for somebody who wants a a highly sophisticated Bluetooth speaker. Nice. So are they, I guess, battery operated or do they have to plug them in? Yes, they are battery operated. And, uh, and I believe it's pretty straightforward to replace the batteries or hmm. to charge them. I, I don't remember. It was about a year ago that I saw the model, but okay. I remember seeing it was pretty straightforward. Interesting. That might be a good option for my wife in the kitchen. The last thing I want to make a note of before we wrap it up for the show is that if you're interested in software and apps and the like for the cyber Monday <laughs> for the Black Friday weekend and Cyber, Cyber Monday De- Cyber December <laughs> for the extended holiday weekend then check out this article on Mac Stories where they have consolidated all sorts of different apps and games by category so that you can get all of the deals on photo and video apps utility apps productivity apps apps for the kids they have spotted all the best deals for apps like Disney Animated for the kids. It's regularly $9.99. It's going for $2.99. And an app called Screenshot Plus Plus, usually $4.99. It's going for $0.99. Cents. Just check them out for the apps if that's where you want to save some money. Very nice. All right, Joshua. Different kind of episode. I hope people got something from our recommendations. This is going to wrap it up for episode 34. If you'd like to retrieve the show notes and links, you'll find them at tectonic.fm slash 34. If you want to chat with us, the show is at tectonic on Twitter. I'm underscore Joe Darnell, and my co-host is Joshua Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer spelled P-E-I-F-F-E-R. And you can send your questions and feedback via email to hello at tectonic.fm. I'm Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to Tectonic.